The biggest test for the Ole Miss secondary will happen this Saturday. When Tulsa comes into town, we'll tell you why right after this. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for tuning in today. Ole Miss and Tulsa, the biggest, biggest test the Ole Miss secondary will have faced to date this season will happen when Tulsa and their number one ranked passing attack of more than 400 yards a game comes into Vault hemingway Stadium. This is going to be a 3 o'clock Central kickoff. The line has moved up to Ole Miss being favored by 20 and a half. Over-under is at 62 degrees. All lines are brought to you by Bet Online. There you go, down below. You can see it down there. Anyway, <clears throat> thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do us a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell for notifications when we release a new video, which happens quite frequently, and, of course, upvote the video itself. And participate in the comment section down below. We will appreciate it. All right. Tulsa's passing tack is nothing to joke joke about. And Ole Miss's streak of eight straight games of holding opponents under 21 points, that is in serious jeopardy this weekend. Tulsa is a good team. We've told you, I don't know, three or four weeks at this point, Tulsa was the best non-conference game on the schedule for Ole Miss football this year. And at this point, that seems exactly the case. Philip Montgomery is in his eighth year as coach. They run a, well, this year it's more of a passing version, but their offense can, like, operationally somehow look like um, the Baylor stuff did with Jeff Levy and all that. I think Philip Montgomery might be from that tree, but in eight years he has branched off and done a little bit of his own stuff. He has embraced more of the passing side of that offense, apparently, and that op offense is pretty good. Um, their quarterback's throwing for more than 400 yards a game, top passing attack in the conference, and it's going to be a huge test for Ole Miss's defensive backs, all six of them, including the linebackers. We might as well do like a front eight situation. And we've seen this year in the passing game small, tight windows that um, teams have thrown into. They've had a little bit of success throwing like five, six-yard hitches into the hole of a zone. It, they've still barely completed those. The secondary has played, for all intents and purposes, really, really well. We told you before this season they would be a strength, but this is the first time we actually get to see them going against another team's strength. This is really good. I think Tulsa... They either almost went to the AAC championship game or did. I don't know which, exactly which one, but I know they narrowly lost to Cincinnati last year. They had a pretty good defense last year, but they graduated like five or six guys off of that defense. And we've got the Golden Hurricast going to come in and talk about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Um, so we can dig into that um, in just a little bit. But... That gets to our second key, but our first key is the secondary has to really play lights out. And they look like they're locked in on it. Lane Kiffin was quick to say 
over and over in yesterday's press conference and talk about the number one passing attack in the country. He is trying to get attention. Whether or not it works, I do not know. But um, if it does, this this defensive secondary could get a nice tune-up before Will Levis and boys come into town next week. I mean, it should be a lot of fun. Speaking of which, um, the SEC released the game times for the Kentucky game, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN. Now, we'll move on to the keys, but I do want to address this before we go. You either can have TV and network companies pay you billions of dollars to put your game on TV, or they can pay you $10 million a year, and you can have say on when you play. The fact that TV is paying so much, the gate receipts, the crowd, is just less important. It's going to be more important for the coach. It's going to be more important for the school. I, I get that. But for the general fan who maybe doesn't want to drive four hours up from Jackson or three hours up from Jackson, fight the traffic, fight, walk all that way, fight the bathrooms, overpaid refreshments, $100 a ticket, whenever you can simply save that money and buy a 70-inch TV and see it in 4K. You will never hear me complain about attendance because of that. That is absolutely why I don't complain about attendance. Because people just want to enjoy the game. And if they want to watch the football game, you can sit at home and watch it exactly like you want to. Instead of going there and having the drunk guy spill stuff down your back, the drunk guy in front of you try to pick a fight, or over to the left of you, a huge opposing team fan that's obnoxiously loud. You can avoid all of that by just watching it on TV. So you will never hear me complain about attendance. So that is one point. The second one is ESPN has the second pick of games in the SEC. CBS gets the first. They picked Alabama and Arkansas. And if Arkansas beats A&M and Alabama beats Vandy, um, that'll probably be the game day game. But if Texas A&M wins, which I believe they might be favored, then all of a sudden it gets interesting and ESPN has just purchased a lottery ticket. Because their lottery ticket is to have game day and go straight into the game of the day that they've been talking about for three hours. And there's a probably 40% chance that that is on the table at this moment. Now, next Saturday night, um, we don't know. And Mississippi State has already lost to LSU. So A&M, if they win, there's no chance they can get it. But there's three games that are in consideration. There's Alabama and Arkansas, and if both of those win, you would be hard-pressed to not have game day and get um, Fayetteville next week. If Arkansas wins the game, I think it's a done deal because Alabama's number two and Arkansas would be like number six at that point. So that, that would make sense for game day. Then you have North Carolina State and Clemson, which I don't think they're in love with Clemson. Now, the ACC, ESPN has exercised that game as a part of their six-day window. There's a chance that the primetime game that night and the reason they didn't schedule Ole Miss in the primetime, they're talking about switching that game with Auburn and LSU, 
is because they're thinking about putting NC State and Clemson at night. So they don't want those two games against each other. So that's one another reason why this could be important, even if Alabama and Arkansas get game day. So those are the reasons why that happened. The SEC Network is the last to pick. They they kind of clean up the best of the best of the rest is the SEC game of the week on SEC Network, and um, then they fill in their schedule the rest of the way through. So that is the selection. I have no issue with an eleven o'clock start, but I'm I'm going to do a post game show at three o'clock that afternoon. So that gives it more time to marinate over the course of the weekend. So yes, of course I wouldn't have a problem with it. But I do understand why somebody that is going to the game might have a problem with that. I get that entirely. All right. So first key of the game is the defensive back needs to play considerably well. This is their first test. You're going to see a lot of routes and concepts designed to give this defense trouble. They play a similar style defense Tulsa does to Ole Miss. So the offense is used to playing against what we do. So we might be bigger, stronger, and faster, the whole SEC athletes thing, but schematically it might look a little bit the same. I will ask the Golden Hurricast people that whenever they come on the show as well. But, you know, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back we will tell you what we need to do offensively, um, and then we can get over like little extra stuff that we're caring about. That, that's kind of a key to the game every week. But there is one thing we need to do offensively, and we'll take a quick commercial break and hear from Upside. From cringing at the pumps to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts, and it really hurts. That's why I started using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, I am earning cash back thanks to Upside. To get started, download the free Upside app. Use my promo code at LOCKED, that's L-O-C-K-E-D, and get five or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more. Next claim and offer for whatever you're buying on Upside, check in at the business Pay as usual with a credit or debit card and get paid. In comparison, credit card rewards and loyalty programs, can you can earn three times more money with Upside. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week, and that's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. So download the free Upside app and use the promo code LOCKED to get five or more cash back on your first purchase of 10 or more. That's five or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using promo code LOCKED. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including iTunes and Spotify. Please leave us a five-star review. You can say whatever you want to say. 
just make sure it's a five-star review if you don't mind. If you do that, it'll help everybody find the show. We did a search last week, put Ole Miss podcast in the Google machine. Ole Miss came up as the number one result. So that is fantastic to see. We need to continue that. So thank you very much for doing that. So in the first segment, we talked about the stress that Tulsa's offense could put on the DBs in this game. This is the best passing attack that Ole Miss will face. This is honestly the best team that Ole Miss will face in its non-conference. So while Georgia Tech was the most talented team and really probably last week the best team we played, this is now another step up in competition. We've always talked. The Troy game was an excellent game because it got got their attention in camp and forced them to focus a little bit. And they struggled through and got everything they done. They won it 28 to 10. They got it operationally cleaned up by game two against Central Arkansas, 59 to three. Against Georgia Tech, they really got it cleaned up. Really got it cleaned up to the tune of 42 to nothing. Now, going into the Tulsa game, Ole Miss is tied for second in the country in scoring defense, giving up 4.3 yards or points per game. 4.3 points per game. The leader is Georgia at 3.3. Ole Miss is scoring an average of 42 points a game. They are giving up 4.3. That is nearly a 38-point spread, and no matter who Ole Miss is scheduled, in the past 50 years, it hasn't looked like that. That needs to be pointed out. That honestly needs to be celebrated. You have a defense that is really good and possibly elite. But this is an ultimate trap game. Another key to this game is that Ole Miss has to come out ready to play. Operationally, they have to be clean. Absolutely. Substitutions, penalties, uh, turnovers, all of that stuff needs to be clean. If you do that, everybody can excel and do what they need to do offensively and kind of put their stamp on the game. But if you get out there and you play sloppy and there's procedure penalties and there's holdings and two or three interceptions, all of a sudden Tulsa can score enough to where it's a 38-35 game in the fourth and can go either directions. We all know what that feels like. We were here in 2018 when the other team gets the ball with three minutes left to go in the game down by a score and there's not a single chance that you will stop them. Might as well just put points on the board and play offense again. But if they have the ball last, it's over. So we don't want a game where they're close and we can start having flashbacks because players rely on confidence. As long as they think they're unbeatable, they usually are unbeatable. But as soon as doubt creeps into their mind, as soon as doubt creeps into their mind, all of a sudden they drop down a level or two as far as what they look like and how they play. They're steps slower. Everything. Confidence is everything in team sports. So if it's close in the fourth quarter, then all of a sudden the crowd's going to start worrying. And we should because we've been through some stuff over the years. I get that entirely. But the players will feed off that as well. And that'll allow that doubt to creep into their mind and make it a little bit easier for Tulsa to make a game out of it. Just remember that when you're worrying up in the stand. You need to at least project, project 
um, confidence moving forward when it comes, if there, it happens to be a close game. Now, I don't think it's going to be a close game. I think um, 20 points is about right, but I think it could be like a 35-14 to 14 type game. I, I, I just do. But that's not because Tulsa is bad. That's not because the competition is horrible. Tulsa is a good team. They are. Ole Miss has never beaten Tulsa. They're 0-3 against the Golden Hurricane. That's a fun stat. But they haven't played since like 1954 or something like that. But in the you know in in that t- era, Ole Miss never beat Tulsa. Three and O. Their last meeting was in the a Blue Bonnet Bowl. Um, and if you're old enough to remember a Blue Bonnet Bowl, I'm sorry because you're getting up there. But they played Tulsa in a Blue Bonnet Bowl. That was back whenever they were running the ball like crazy as well. So different era of football altogether. But Ole Miss had never won a regular season game against Georgia Tech before Saturday. Of course, they'd only played one, but whatever. History can be broken if you are due. So we'll see how this defense looks against this high-flying passing offense of Tulsa. We'll see what Ole Miss offensively looks like operationally to where they don't turn the ball over and things like that. The, The last key to the game, Tulsa's defense looks gettable. It looks like you can get after them a little bit, and knowing that, you can really see the running game being a dominant um, facet of this game. You can see Zach Evans and Quichon Judkins having one heck of a day. You can see them doing all the things they need to do. You can see them gaining yards by chunks, and I just don't see a way that defensively running the ball, if Ole Miss brings their run game, if Tulsa can even find a way to slow them down even a little bit. If they do what they're supposed to do, the defense is going to have to be so preoccupied with them, it should make for an easy day for Jackson Dart. A developmental day. A day where in the second half, just like they've been doing against Troy and against Georgia Tech, they can kind of force some passes, force some work, let him see some things, increase some reps. I think that is possible in the second half. Jackson Dart has not completed a single game as starting quarterback for Ole Miss. They've used backups. I think Kincaid Den has even played in two, so it's not even the quarterback competition thing in there. It's the fact that Ole Miss is winning games really handily. So, operationally play well and feed Judkins and Evans. I know this is some hard-hitting analysis right here, but that is actually the keys. The keys of the game is are the Ole Miss secondary playing against the number one passing offense in the country. They need to play well. You don't get called on very often in the non-conference like this. Now's the time to perform, Secretary. Secondly, operationally, they have to be clean. Tulsa can score enough points if you allow them to to make this a weird game in the fourth quarter. They, they did it to Cincinnati. They've done it with several teams. Go out and take care of business. Be clean operationally. No procedure penalties. No turnovers. No holding penalties. Play clean. If you do that, you will be fine. 
And lastly, feed Quinchon Judkins and Zach Evans, who are second and third in the SEC in rushing right now. This running attack that we told you for six months is going to be 70% run. Now that it's happened, it's, it's beautiful. Ole Miss against Georgia Tech looked like 1990s era Nebraska. The other team didn't have a chance. The defense was suffocating, and you just pounded them into submission. If Ole Miss wanted to, they could have scored 80 points against the Yellow Jackets. Now, against Clemson, Clemson wasn't able to run the ball like that. Is Clemson not as good at running the ball as Ole Miss is? Because potentially Ole Miss has the best running back room in the country. Only number of carries will be a detriment to their rushing game this year. Unbelievably smooth. Zach Evans on a cut. Breathtaking. Quinshawn Judkins just runs angry. Like he has a physical grudge against everybody that's trying to tackle him. They are keys. They are the leaders of this offense, and they should be. They are special. Unbelievably special. All right, we're going to hear from the Golden Golden Hurricast right after this. Um, if I come back on, know that technology got us because I have not recorded that interview yet. So we're going to try and like record ahead a bit. But the Golden Hurricast was not able to do theirs until later in the night, and I want them to be on this show as well. But those are the keys to the game against the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Again, 3 o'clock Central. Over-under sits at 62 points. Ole Miss is a 20.5-point favorite over the Golden Hurricane. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, the Golden Hurricast. Stick around. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first. Listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. So do me a favor. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, hit the bell for notifications and new videos that go up. And, of course, upvote the video itself. We would appreciate that very much. I am here with Matt Reichton. Did I get that correctly? Close enough. Close enough. And Ryan Token yeah. um, from the Golden Hurricast. They're going to talk a little bit about the Tulsa Golden Hurricane. Guys, I'm really excited to talk about this game a little bit. Um, this is going to be a test for the secondary, which is actually a strength of Ole Miss's team. But I'm kind of looking forward to this because it's number one in the NCAA, over 400 yards a game. You guys are kind of clicking pretty good offensively. What do you say, Ron? Yeah, no, Stephen, thanks first for having us on the show. Really excited to talk some ball for a little bit. And I hear you. Uh, it's been uh, an up and down ride so far this season. Started off kind of on a, on a rough note with a double OT loss to Wyoming, then bounced back a little bit the last couple of weeks and went off last week against uh, Jacksonville State from the FCS. But yeah, Davis Brin, he's been feeling it. He's been feeling himself. You mentioned his number one stats there. Uh, he's number one in passing yards per game, passing yards, touchdown passes, and total offense for a player. So he's definitely cleaning up uh, on his side. But no, I, I think it's going to be a big time test, obviously, for Tulsa. Uh, level of competition playing Ole Miss is going to be different than what we've played so far. So excited to see how this one goes. Yeah, Matt, um, you guys, uh, Tulsa, Tulsa, I should say, went to Ohio State last year. They're not going to be intimidated coming to Vaught-Hemingway Stadium. Talk a little bit about, you guys had a pretty good team last year. Talk about what kind of happened to come into this season. Where, where are the losses? Yeah, so I think the big loss for 
Tulsa, and I think that's something that we've kind of experienced so far is losing our defensive coordinator uh, to TCU. And with that, like our star defensive lineman, Jackson Player, ended up transferring to Baylor. And so along like that and just some attrition as far as graduation on the defensive backs, that's kind of where Tulsa has been struggling so far this year. Um, but as far as like you brought Ohio State up last year, that was Davis one of Davis Brin's best games of the season. And so this is kind of a team that as much as we like love that we can play with some of the big dogs, we also show that we will make sure that we give everybody a chance uh, when we're playing, you know, a game that we're favored. Yeah, you guys um, last year, you finished pretty well in the American last season and famously towards the end of the season almost took Cincinnati in a position to where they lost their playoff spot. Talk about this this reputation that Tulsa has developed of being a little bit of a giant killer. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's true. I, Matt, Matt mentioned it when he was talking about the game last year against Ohio state and how that went and everything. And that's how it's been for a lot of Philip Montgomery's tenure here. He's, this is his eighth year with the program ninth year. Actually. I think, I think I'm getting that all, year by uh, off by one, but uh, that's how it's been for him. Um, we very often play very well against the big time talent, the team, I think you'll hear most of them say, the coaching staff, the media around to you, that they play with a, a chip on their shoulder, like a blue-collar mentality, uh, is what, you hear, what you'll hear most often. And that's the case. Unfortunately, we haven't been able to, to uh, climb, the, climb the bridge, uh, or climb the ladder, I guess is the correct saying there, um, on most of those games. Every now and then we'll get one, but very, very infrequently do we actually pull it off. But we usually do make it pretty close throughout the game. You mentioned that Cincinnati game. That one, man, I mean, we had first and goal from like the two uh to win that game and we and we went for it all four times and couldn't get it done uh ended up losing and uh yeah that, that was a bummer but it's definitely been there like we definitely have the talent especially this year i mean this year specifically it's been you know probably since 2016 that we've had a quarterback playing as well as davis Brent is playing right now and that was dane evans back back in 2016 and uh phil montgomery matt wrote a really nice blog post actually a couple weeks on our website about it um and it was about his comparison to Dane Evans in 2016 and uh, how he trans how Dane transitioned in 2015 being pretty solid to having an incredible year in 2016 and how Davis uh, in his first year as a starter last year was okay but definitely had his mistakes and now this year is off to an incredible start with 11 touchdowns to one interception so excited to see how that keeps going and maybe we can pull one off this week. Yes, you talked about Davis Brand um, at quarterback. Matt, talk about the wide receivers on the outside because the Ole Miss press conference today, they made mention of the outside wide receivers and how good they are. Yeah, and that's, uh, man, so it's not just the outside. It's wide receiver across the board. We've got five guys that are just going off this year. The big one is Keelan Stokes, which is re we're really excited to see that because he's just been – He's had a lot of injury issues uh, over the past couple of years and to kind of see him going, putting up, you know, over 100 yards every game. Uh, and then on top of that, Juan Carlos Santana had three receptions last week for like 130 yards. Like these are guys that can beat you quick. Um, and we have a lot of options to kind of spread it out because on top of that, we have Isaiah Epps transfer out of Kentucky uh, coming back to his hometown, uh, back to Tulsa. And then Malachi Jones, um, as well so it's just kind of a lot of threats everywhere which i think is another part is not having just like one or two main targets like we've had in the past davis really has you know it's a it's definitely easier for him this year than it was last year 
Yeah, there's definitely weapons on all over the field with Tulsa. Um, <clears throat> Ryan, real quick, let's look. The defense kind of looks gettable. What what do you notice in the first part defensively for the Golden Hurricane? Yeah, I, I think gettable is probably a good word for that. Um, there's a there were some serious changes. Matt already mentioned one of them. Uh, the exit of our previous DC Joe Gillespie to TCU and the uh, following promotion of Luke Olson, who has been with the program for longer than Phil Montgomery has actually, uh, came up as a GA and has been around there for like 11, 12 years now, uh, worked his way all the way up to DC. So that's our new DC. Um, in terms of scheme, hasn't changed much of what we were doing with Gillespie or Bill Young before him. It's still the 3-3-5. You've got the nickel safety playing back there, that extra spot. So interested to see how that goes, because I know Ole Miss plays kind of a similar defense. Did I just lose you? No, you're here. I see you. Okay. Sorry, my tab just switched. Uh, yeah, so we've got that extra safety back there. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But, yeah, I mean, you mentioned gettable. I, I think the thing that surprised me the most has been the play of our, our DBs. Um, they're not bad. They're not bad players. But the passing defense specifically has been a little weaker uh, than I think both Matt and I expected coming into this year. And we knew there would be some. Uh, we lost Trevon Fuller to the NFL last year. Uh, Tyon Davis is the returner, but he is still only really has one full year under his belt. And we lost a couple of really, really talented guys a couple of years ago. So still trying to find themselves uh, at the corner spot at safety. I feel pretty good. Um, Kendaren Ray is an, is an absolutely fantastic player. Philip Montgomery has often alluded to him as a guy who could lead as the, leave to you as the best safety to, to ever have played here. So he's still got a year or two under uh, to go. So we'll see if he can live up to those high remarks, but he's definitely talented. Uh, but I think our, our best spot on defense uh, got to be the linebackers. Justin Wright is a returner. He's an absolute dog back there. Uh, John Michael Terry came in last year but got hurt halfway through the season. Um, he came from OU. And then Grant Sawyer is another guy back there back there who's just really solid. So overall, I think, you know, if I were to give the defense like an out of 10 rating, I'd give them like a six so far. They haven't really uh, – they, I, I, they haven't lived up to quite where I want, but they're definitely not – super weak and i if i were to rank passing defense over rushing defense i'd say rushing defense has been better overall okay um this this question will be for both y'all we'll go one at a time but um give me some players from tulsa to keep an eye on matt yeah so uh first one is going to be just juan carlos santana i mentioned him just a second ago he's one where it doesn't matter what kind of day he's having uh at any given moment he's kind of just shown that he can make a lot of uh, DB's miss. So it's not just getting open. He has been able to break a lot of tackles. And so a lot of his yardage com comes after he's going to make that catch. And so that's one um, I saw, like, I think I saw a note on the Today Show over here that this is a big test for Ole Miss DBs. And so that's one, that's a matchup that I'd definitely be interested uh, in looking at. And the other one, this is just kind of, um, interesting because we haven't talked about it but our, our running game is probably the weakest yeah. it has been I've, since i've been watching you know tulsa in the last 12 years uh, and that's because the guys that we thought were starting weren't there or i don't know university philip montgomery's little cagey we don't really know what the deal is there so the other one is like steven anderson is he going to be able to get anything early because so far what we've seen is like tulsa will not force the run because we kind of like know that it's not there so if steven anderson can get some momentum early that's one to kind of like just keep an eye out for okay 
Ron? Yeah, and yeah, I'll give you some on the defensive side. Um, first and foremost is one of my favorite players to talk about. Uh, he hasn't had big numbers quite yet this year, but LJ Wallace at the free safety spot. He is, I, I really like that player. He's a big physical guy, really gets at you, really, he talks some trash, which is one of my favorite things all the time. Uh, I think he's a really good, good player. He's getting his first real starting time this year alongside LJ Wallace, kind of rotating them in, in and out. So watch for him on the safety side. And then on the defensive line, another spot we haven't talked that much about yet, uh, I'd say Anthony Goodlow, probably the biggest name to watch there. Uh, another guy, just his numbers were really, really big last year. Jackson player left Tulsa last season to go to Baylor. And Goodlow was actually head and beat in terms of total sacks on the season. And uh, player was getting double teamed a lot. So that kind of freed him up a little bit. So he's trying to make his own impact this season uh, out of Jackson player's shadow. And uh, he started, to, he started, he had a kind of a slow start to the season. Game one was a little bit weak. Game two was a big step up and game three was kind of in the middle there. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does uh, this game, but he's another one for sure. Yeah. Um, how do you guys see this game going? Um, what do y'all think is going to happen, Ron? <laughs> yeah, uh, it's hard to say. I mean, it's all Miss. You're on the road. It's tough. We've seen some good good tests on the road for Tulsa, and we've seen some really really tough ones. You look at Ohio State back in like 2016. It was like 48 to three or something was the final score. And uh, those games can happen. So I don't I don't think that's going to be the case this time though. I really do. You know, I, I definitely have a little bit of a positive bias going right now, coming off of you know, despite it being an FCS team. Uh, we were not favored to win by 45 or whatever the final score was of that game. So I was happy that, that that one went as well as it did. Whether we can keep it close with Ole Miss or not, you know, always up in the air. I'm definitely leaning toward it will be a close game. Um, I think this Tulsa offense has enough firepower to make some to do some damage there. The question is on – I mean, I know Zach Evans for you guys is just tearing I, – I was looking at the Georgia Tech box score last week and – Oh my God, it's terrifying, especially when our, you know, our rushing defense is pretty good, but it's not, you know, elite status. So we'll see how we can do there. Um, I think, I think all miss gets the win, but I think Tulsa does keep it close. Probably. I mean, I mean, God damn. But then you look at the Georgia tech game again, last, what was the final score? 52 to nothing. Was that what 40, the final was? For, it was 42 to nothing, but um, <laughs> they, they really just quit playing offense in the third quarter. Yeah. So yeah. man, I, I like to, I like to think that it's going to be close. And I think we're better than Georgia Tech, but that is a, that's a tough one to go into coming off of that game. So we'll see. Yeah. What about you, Matt? Yeah. Uh, just I was looking at the line earlier today, and that I think the over under is like in the low 60s, and that is the easiest take the over for me because that is where <laughs> I kind of feel like all of Tulsa's this season is, you know, even if we're down, we're still like the way our offense is set up is that we can score quick. And a couple games ago against uh, Northern Illinois, there there were a couple drives that were four plays or fewer um, that we ended up scoring a touchdown or getting a field goal at least out of. And so, like, that's kind of the, even if we're down, we can make it quick. I go back to, uh, there was a, and obviously, you know, this is not the same Tulsa team, but it was still a Montgomery team and maybe the best comparison we have to how our offense is clicking this year couple of years ago 2015 2016 against OU um, with like a minute left going into this before halftime uh, we scored 14 unanswered points and it was like dead silent in that stadium and so that's kind of the vibe I get here is that even if we're out big our offense can kind of you know catch lightning a little bit and so hopefully it stays close it's gonna be hard I I don't 
see us being able to get any running game and so that makes me a little bit more nervous uh as far as like is davis gonna have quite the stats that he's had so far this season yeah and and one of my other just comments to fit in here before we wrap it up uh is the offensive line zero starts uh coming into the season for anybody on that line so brand new line across the board for the most part uh guys that had playing time here and there but not as starters and now I don't know the status of this injury, but our starting center, who would actually been a pretty stable and vocal kind of leader for that brand new line, uh, got hurt in the last game against Jacksonville State, Will Farniak. So not sure where he's at, but if he's gone, then we've got an even younger guy that's going to be taking the snaps there uh, on the OL. So keep an eye out for the offensive line. All right. Thank you guys very much. Matt Reichten. Um, I'm sorry if I'm butchering your name, Matt. No worries. And Ryan Token from the Golden Hurricast joining the show to preview the game this weekend should be a pretty good good game. This is what we've said all offseason. This is the best non-conference game that we will play. This will be a fine test before Kentucky. But thank you guys, and we will see you later. Oh yeah, I'll be there in Oxford, so I'm looking forward to it. All right, absolutely, man. Anyway, get more on the SEC by making Locked On SEC your second listen every day. Host Chris Gordy and his local experts of Locked On take you across the SEC in 30 minutes or less. Make Locked On SEC your second listen of the day.